you have intercepted the virtue signal with Bill Whittle and Alfonso Rachel, also known as that knucklehead Zoe. In the era of virtue signaling, where sanctimonious self-righteous liberals preach to us from atop their high donkey of supposed moral supremacy, while being about as woke on virtue as a person on a diet in a donut shop calling donuts racist because they're not low-carb. If you appreciate the content, please support by sharing, and please consider a financial contribution to help us do our part to promote sanity in a world where people boast in science while saying gender is fluid. Links in the description field. Thank you. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Virtue Signal. I'm Bill Whittle here with my friend Alfonso Rachel, and this show is where we talk about some of the kind of foundational philosophy and morality about what a decent society might look like. Uh, we're covering the classics first, seven deadly sins and seven cardinal virtues. As we move on, we'll start to look at specific political issues, but we figured it'd be best to just kind of lay the um, the groundwork first. So, uh, Zoe, uh, here's a all-time crowd-pleasing favorite, especially in these days, <laughs> uh, the virtue of generosity mm. as, as a, a sort of as an antidote to greed. Why don't we just take it on the, the fundamental level first in terms of just financial greed and financial generosity, because mm. I think there are other kinds of greed and other kinds of generosity. Sure. Uh, there's nothing wrong with making money, is there? I don't think so, no. <laughs> so w at, what point does, at what point does the rewards of hard work become greed? Well, I, well it's, it's uh, greed according to who though? You know, because uh, there's there's the perception of greed that, that has to be dealt with also. Um, well, let's, when we talk about greed, it's almost like gluttony, right? It's like, well, right. it almost seems a little redundant, right? I would say that, uh, and I don't want to split hairs here and try to like, you know, make some big distinction between the two, but gluttony is like, you can be gluttonous with your own resources, right? Uh, greed, on the other hand, is when, when you can't seem to be satisfied and you start resorting to um, nefarious means to get what it is to, you want to satisfy your greed. Uh, and then, like I said, and then from there, it's, per, it's people's perception of what it is that you're doing to be greedy. I hope that makes sense. It does. And, and you've touched on something that we, that we touched on with, um, with gluttony and lust. And it, and it comes down to more than you need to be satisfied. This, this idea that the seven deadly sins are, are desires of the flesh that are normal and natural within the bounds of moderation and sanity. Mm -hmm. But it seems like virtually all of these um, become deadly sins when they become obsessive and they kind of outstep the bounds of, of sort of the natural desire. For in the case of greed, people people would like to do well, they'd like to make money and so on. But greed is a is a a, a vice because it 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 exceeds the limits of moderation. In other words, you put together a company, you work hard and you want to make a, a, a good profit at it and so on. But then you come to the point when you start thinking, well, you know, maybe if I uh, if I paid my contractors less or if I cheated on this or if mm -hmm. I did that and it's it's no longer satisfaction. Like you said, no longer being satisfied with enough. No matter how much that is, you always have to have more. It's kind of a, that kind, same kind of an addiction. Sure. And, and greed, you know, it's almost like uh, like the ugly kid of like, a, uh, you know, the union of gluttony and lust. And also you could throw pride in the mix to it, you know, di different uh, dynamics that come along with it. And like I said, greed, you know, like with gluttony, 
you can be gluttonous with your own resources, whereas greed is, you know, is when you're tapping into covetousness, is when you're tapping into different means of what you want to do to get to. It can either be to get what somebody else has or you're trying to get your own, but you can't get enough of it. And you resort to things like um, you, you get these things by ill-gotten gain. That's when greed really starts to come in. And, uh, you know, that, I think that's the big distinction between like gluttony like I said, you'd be gluttonous with your own resources. Greed is when you're trying to ascertain resources um, using uh, res uh, or means to get it that are outside of uh, what would be decent. Right. And if so, if the accompanying virtue is generosity, then I know it sounds like a circular definition, but you can say that greed is the absence of generosity. Generosity is maybe easier to understand than greed. Generosity is is basically not only being um, willing to uh, assist people who you deem worthy of assistance, but but being almost lavish in that in that assistance, and it and it kind of comes down to as all of them do, I guess, to where where the center of your universe is. Is it in yourself? Are you the are you the center of the universe? Are you the center of all of the money and all the desire and all of the food have to come directly to you? Mm. Or or are you a person who's more sort of outward flowing in terms of their emotional uh, state? Sure. And, and, and um, along with that, though, Bill, generosity itself, can we really say that gener generosity is a virtue, especially when we're talking about, you know, where does this this staple of or the standard of generosity come from? Generosity, a person can be generous, but a person can be generous with other person's stuff that they've gotten by ill-gotten gains. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's like a, a drug. That's not real generosity, though, is it? I mean, I mean, that's you're, that's like saying that's kind of like the generosity of the state, right? We're gonna we're gonna take this money from you at gunpoint, and we're gonna give it to um, people presumably in need. And look how virtuous and how wonderful we are. It's all coercion. Sure. Actual real generosity is is a is not just a willingness. It's kind of a joy, right? It's I mean it's it's the it's that sense that it is better to give than to receive, and and the and the sensation you get from giving somebody a present that really is really moves them and makes them happy mm -hmm. is always feels better than getting one um, for yourself. Absolutely. That's that's it. Now, there, that's where we come to butting heads with people, because what you just said is absolutely generosity to these people. I mean, what what more what can be a, a better state of generosity when when the when the society comes together and makes it a law that we have to be our brother's keeper? I mean, that's an institution of generosity right there. Now, as far as they're concerned, that is people coming together and we have made generosity law. What's more virtuous than that? So, but but we know, Bill, that the, the bottom line is that that's an institution of covetousness. And the Lord himself says, look, I've given to you freely. Sorry to repeat myself, but I got to do it, man. It's like the Lord says, I've given to you freely and I expect you to freely give. The law didn't make me do this. I'm the fulfillment of the law. I did this right. by my own free will. I expect you to give freely too. Don't make it a law to be generous. Be free with your own resources. And this is kind of the dynamic that we see in the in the culture today, right? Where, where the government basically... Uh, accuses businessmen, and obviously their generalizations and many, many, many millions of exceptions, but basically the narrative goes mm. that that uh, private individuals and private businesses are greedy because they make money and they want to keep it. Mm. And the state is generous because they want to take that money by force and distribute it to people. But there's nothing generous about that. That's no. just a form of, you know, 
armed robbery when you get right down to it. Actual generosity comes from comes from the fact that that people willingly give. And and you'll often hear people say, well, the United States doesn't give nearly as much per capita to foreign aid. And my response <laughs> to that is always, well, that that may or may not be true for what the government gives. Right. But private American citizens are, I think, clearly the most generous people in the world. That's right. That's right. And that's when we get back to people's perception of greed. Uh, when you when you look at businesses, uh, people, they'll see these prices and they'll accuse them of gouging and all that sort of stuff. I mean, economics 101, man, if I, if I can quote Thomas Sowell, it's like, look, man, the best way to make money is to charge less. You know, greed is not a good, it's not a good wealth model. It, do, it doesn't pay off as well as charging people less. And, but at the same time, people can perceive that when a person tries to charge less, they'll accuse that person of trying to set up for a monopoly, right? It's, oh, you're just trying to charge less and now you're gonna drive mom and pop stores out of business and all that sort of stuff. So once again, it, it comes down to the perception of greed and, and how people set their costs. It's like, man, you don't know what it costs for us to bring these, these, uh, these products and services to you. Or if I can give another example, Bill, um, generosity can be demonstrated in um, Google. Google's been very generous with like how they set up, you know, uh, you give you give you free email and give you a free drive where you can transfer files and stuff like that. That's very generous. But on the other side of their so-called generosity is that they're very greedy for control. And yep. They are very greedy with controlling the narrative. So we can see that without some sort of fixed standard of virtue, then we can then, then generosity itself is not really definable. Great. Now let's talk a little bit about real world capitalism, mm -hmm. because um, private businesses, as I say, people on the left tend to say that that uh, businessmen are greedy and government uh, people are selfless. But just internally, if you're running a business, you can run a business with the spirit of generosity mm -hmm. and also with the spirit of greed, especially when it comes to uh, the people that you're employing and so on. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are there are some companies uh, Southwest comes to mind. I remember when um, after 9-11, the, the president of Southwest Airlines said, we're not firing anybody. And furthermore, I'm going to take a dollar a year salary mm. um, until until we get out of this mess. Now, that is a genuinely generous act mm. because he didn't have to do that. Mm. I mean, there was no requirement for him to do that. He could have basically said, well, you know, uh, it's not my fault that, that the economy is that the airline travel has gone through the floor. I guess we're just going to have to fire some people. And, and that attitude from the top kind of permeates everything that happens downstream. And, and that attitude of generosity seems to make everybody downstream more or less happier and willing to work harder, while an attitude of greed just seems to do the opposite. That's how it looks to me. Sure. Now, the thing is, it's easier to sell the opposite of that you know, in the culture for some, for some reason, Bill, um, oppression just sells better than, um, you know, freedom <laughs> for some reason it just does. Um, but I think also with capitalism, it needs to be understood that capitalism isn't so much about how much money you make. And that's one of the things that the culture has a perception of where it comes to capitalism. And Jesus himself is quite the capitalist. It's like, look, man, these are your resources and you should be free to do with your resources. I encourage you to be generous, but these are your resources to be generous with. This, it's not property of the state. So, and you have a lot of so-called Christians out there who wanna make a socialist model out of Jesus and he spoke no, nothing of the sort. But the thing about capitalism, it's not about how much money you make, it's what the government is not free to take. 
And that's one of the things that's not really promoted and, and people start to associate capitalism with greed and capitalism with putting profits before people and all that sort of stuff. When the real greed is when you institute covetousness and you think that you're gonna benefit from what the state was able to take from the, the, the wealth makers and the job creators. And it's like, no, that doesn't work at all. That, that right there is a total institution of greed, whereas capitalism allows, it gives you freedom to be generous and charitable and to be able to help people get out of a state where they need charity because there's, there's jobs that can afford to hire them and stuff like that. That's what capitalism is able to help facilitate for people. That's right. Yeah. And that's an entirely uh, different model, not only different model of, of governance or economics, it's just a different model of people, right? Mm. On one hand, you have a model where the government takes just about everything mm. and does this in the name of, presumably in the name of virtue, sure. distributes it for its own particular benefits, and they always find a way to benefit. Mm. And, and, and people say, well, that's an incredibly generous society. But what you find is that when people are allowed to keep as much money of of their own money as possible, the more money of their own they get to keep, the more generous they become with it, the more they willingly um, give that money to causes that, that that they were not required to give it to. And of all the things I see out there, it's this, it's this false definition of greed as you want to keep the work that you want to keep the, the, the fruits of the work that you've done. How greedy of you. Those belong to me. <laughs> right. uh, your, your work belongs to me, you greedy bastard. And, and, then, and then the other part of it is, look how generous we are because we're taking your money at gunpoint mm. and distributing it in exchange for votes. So the whole thing is, is kind of backwards in that sense, I think, sure. in terms of the relationship between government and business. Oh, definitely, man. And, and you're right, man. It's like, man, who, when you got some extra money in your pocket, man, who doesn't want to say, hey, bro, let, let, me, let me buy you a beer. Let me, let me, let's, you know, let's go out and get a burger, my treat and stuff like that. When you got some, that's just, it's like in our nature, natural inclination to do these things. And of course, people have a natural inclination to be selfish and stuff like that, too. But, you know, the thing about, um, you know, thinking that the government is going to help facilitate people's generosity and stuff like that. That's just something that's sold on the culture. And, you know, uh, to be, have this capitalist with this bourgeois uh, capitalist materialistic model that people think that are gonna, they're gonna behave this way. Uh, or let me, let me just say this real quick, Bill. Capitalism itself really doesn't lend itself to corruption the way people think. You know, um, even if you're if they're thinking that you're gonna get money pro rosa or anything like that, or sub rosa, I should say. Um, people are gonna be more inclined to do that with a collectivist model. That's why we have uh, crime syndicates. That's why you have things like the mafia, Salvatrucha, uh, triads, you know, and things like that, because their government was so oppressive with what they take that people can't survive and they start to resort to nefarious means to try to keep what it is that they have. Capitalism actually helps to prevent things like that. So it's really difficult to actually try to corrupt capitalism, even if it is a so-called corruption of capitalism, that doesn't make it capitalism. That's a profound point. That's a really great point. And, and people uh, on the left often look at like, uh, you know, like the Soviet Union or communist societies as being so generous. But in point of fact, you're absolutely right. If all they do is produce shortages, then the end result is 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 crime and black markets and hoarding mm. and 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 a real a real kind of a grasping death grip on whatever resources there are because there are so few of them. Mm. When you when you unleash the power of capitalism and people find themselves in abundance, relative abundance anyway, the more abundant they are and the more confident they are that, that abundance will continue because 
nobody's stepping in to take their their stuff. Right. The more generous they become, the more the more actual wealth gets spread. And I think the bottom line in this case is just to wrap it up, the happier they are. Yes. Yes. And, um, you know, but if, unless a person can deal with the dynamic of greed and the perception of greed, uh, what they feel like they're entitled in, whatnot, that's that's a whole nother um that's when you're getting more, it's more than um, economics, it's more than politics, it's more than culture. That's when you're just getting down to a spiritual element of it, of what can actually satisfy you. Satisfy you is the word. Mm. That seems to be the, the definition of, of the, the vices, mm. the sins, and, and the antidote of, of all of these things is not only a cure for the sin, but it's but the virtue of generosity mm. is a source of happiness. There's nothing better than giving to people who you love and care about mm. and seeing the reaction on their face. And and it's just like it's like everything else. It's kind of a polarity. You're gonna go with a with a positive terminal or the negative terminal. So it's great to talk to you about these issues and, and it'll be fun when we start getting into more specific ones, but but that was just superb. And um, and we're very glad to have you with us. And and uh, Alfonso Rachel's presence here is made possible by uh, the new members who joined us recently at BillWhittle.com. We're very grateful to them and to the old members as always. So uh, until next time, I'm Bill Whittle here with Alfonso Rachel. And uh, this is The Virtue Signal. All right. All right. Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome to my little uh, side hustle <laughs> called the signal response. And uh, just uh, to fill y'all in, if you're if you're new to it, uh, it is uh, just me, you know, following up on audience input, you know, that I'm, that I'm grateful who watch uh, the production that I do with uh, Bill Whittle called uh, the virtue signal. Right. We uh, took a little uh, uh, we actually took something back from uh from well actually we didn't take it back because it was never ours i don't, I don't know why we would even want it you know uh you know this virtual sig this virtue signaling that um that the left likes to do so we figured you know we'd have some fun with it and we'd put to uh together a commentary called the virtue signal and uh you know get down to the nitty-gritty uh of of what this virtue defining what this virtue is you know what is this uh you know and coming to um i don't know if we'll ever come to an agreement on it but we do need to hold the line on an actual standard of virtue, you know, like what actually does uh, qualify as redeeming virtue. And uh, really, the, the, the foundation of that is the Lord Almighty himself. Praise be to Yeshua. That is the actual cornerstone and foundation of true virtue. Uh, but, you know, that may not be an easy sell with a lot of people because we all want to define our own truth. You know, uh, we want to define for ourselves what virtue is. Uh, some of us, you know, have come to know better. And uh, it was, I saw uh, Justin pop in. Hey, what's up, man? I'm glad that, you, that, that, that you, we picked up, picked up on your radar, man, that the, uh, the signal response picked up on your radar. Uh, but at any rate, um, you know, we, we have to understand, you know, that there has to be a, a solid view of what virtue is. You know, you just can't be making up virtue, man. You, you, you can't just uh, uh, decide on your own terms because, you know, we're, we're knuckleheads, you know, we're, we're born knuckleheads and we're going to get virtue twisted up and, and think we're doing something virtuous when we're really not. And that describes a lot of uh, that really speaks to how um, liberals are, because, you know, as much as they can't stand like supremacy, they think that they hold supremacy on virtue. Right. Democrats are 
the party of white supremacy as it is, right? But now, you know, but to, to, and to maintain that, they've got a whole bunch of drones, you know, from all walks of life, unfortunately, who feel like they've been victimized. And the ones who have been doing the victimizing um, have got them suckered into thinking that it was somebody else. We'll talk about that a little more in a minute, but, you know, that's what Democrats do. And, you know, it just, it, it lends to this, this vicious cycle, this circle, this snowballing uh, what it is that they're doing. So, and these people think that they're virtuous in, in responding to it and putting out these narratives that have no redeeming value. But like I said, this is, you know, when we talk about white supremacy, we know, we should know by now that that's who the Democrat party has always been. And they're not, they're not tired of it. They're not tired of white supremacy. And these white liberals, you know, still think that they're superior and want to make sure that they are, you know, uh, they're the moral superior. Uh, um, uh, they have the moral supremacy and they they have the supremacy on virtue and they'll virtue signal anything. Right. Everything needs to be punished according to these these white Democrat elites who are not tired of supremacy. Right. The, you want to talk about white supremacy. That's them. There is a problem with white supremacy. And unfortunately, the biggest investors of, of white supremacy are sadly black liberals. They're, they're, they're all the way behind us. They're this white supremacy thing that needs to come down. Meanwhile, they're the ones giving the most power to these white power liberals. You know, it's like, and, and they, it's too many people have fallen for this. But that's who the Democrats are. They haven't stopped. They have not stopped. And their objective is to pit us against each other. They are, make, they, they are going hard with these campaigns to do what it is that they do. And they're making people sick of each other. That's the objective. Right. They have to get you're going to make people sick of each other and it's going to tear down this republic. They're at it again. Right. They did it with the Confederacy. They tried to do it with the Confederacy. They're trying to do it again. Right. So this greed. Right. That's what we're going to be talking about. This is uh, I'm addressing um, the audience response to the episode that, that Bill and I uh, did on greed. So, you know, that's what we're up against. Y'all, we're up against these people. You know, Democrats are they're greedy for supremacy. And um, that's, it's an insatiable appetite. And, you know, there's there's a way to get, you know, to get through it. It takes the Lord. That's for sure. But you got to apply it, you know, and it's, it takes, you know, it takes some savvy. It takes finesse uh, to be able to do it. But unfortunately, a lot of times, you know, conservatives, they, they play into to Democrats hands like that, man. It, it's like a Pied Piper. The Democrats do this. And, and, and it's like you can bank on Republican voters responding a certain way that just plays right into what the Democrats are doing. And that greedy appetite with Democrats is very creative, man. It's, 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 uh, they're very imaginative with how they get people to go along with their program. And it causes a lot of problems, you know? And, um, you know, Republicans, there's, there's a way through that, you know? Um, but unfortunately, Republicans are just as prideful as Democrats are, and they let their pride govern what it is that they're doing rather than letting the Lord you know, let, letting the Lord lead. They don't do that. You know, they got to be the wolves. They got to be the independent, you know, strong and independent in liberty. And they're going to respond and come and take it and all that sort of stuff. And that's exactly what Democrats are doing. <laughs> they just come and take it, just come to take it. They took it, right? And they're still not done. They're still taking it, right? So, um, and while, while Republicans basically are just taking it in the shorts, you know, Democrats are, are just taking it. They're taking it from us. You you told them, come and take it. And that's exactly what they're doing. Uh, sorry, conservatives. I mean, all that tough talk, I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's not working. 
Okay. Democrats are taking it. All right. And they're greedy and they're not done. And unless you try another approach, because the approach that you guys have been doing don't work. I've been telling y'all it for years. It does not work. Um, I guess Republicans, you know, they always want to do things the hard way because, you know, that's what makes you a real adult. You know, it's like there's the hard way and there's being efficient. And Republicans have opted for the hard way. I don't know, because it may, maybe it makes them feel like they're more accomplished or something like that. But there's something to be said for efficiency. Uh, doing things efficiently doesn't make you lazy. <laughs> you know, it, may, it actually, you know, uh, the cornerstone of genius is simplicity. And uh, doing things the hard way just to do it the hard way um, is not always a good idea. OK, uh, you want you want to do things efficiently. Uh, and sometimes it takes hard work to learn how to do things efficiently. You know, you don't just you don't just learn efficiency, you know, I mean, or you just you don't just, oh, uh, I'm efficient. Sometimes a lot of times it takes hard work to learn how to do things and feel hard work and experience and stuff like that to get the wisdom to be able to do things efficiently, of course. Right. Not telling people that they shouldn't be hard workers. Right. But when you're a hard worker, sometimes the task becomes easier because you've done the hard work to be to develop the muscle and develop the, the, the experience and stuff like that to be able to do the job easier and more efficiently after doing the hard work. But, you know, sometimes, you know, it's almost like it's just the only thing is, is you just got to do it, do it the hard way. And that's not always a good idea. Um, so anyway, Republicans, at some point, you know, you got to take that hard work and learn how to be, you know, more official. I'm not trying to be condescending or anything like that, but, you know, hey, not trying to say I'm some genius or anything like that, but I've been watching this go on for years and I've been warning about it. And, you know, Republicans are like, you know, um, we need to take back our country, in effect, saying that our country has been taken from us. And I've been trying to tell you, this is how they're taking your country. And it's like Republicans, too many, too many don't learn, you know. Uh, so at any rate, I want to... Uh, address uh the feedback that we get from uh the virtue signal this is you know because you know these these conversations you know these ideas have been going on oh man for you know is the dawn of civilization right you know pondering you know what is virtue and all that sort of stuff and and then we're gonna have things like um you know greed and, and generosity you know like the antithesis of virtue would be greed everybody hates greed you know but <laughs> it's funny how the ones who claim to hate greed the most tend to be the most greedy people um, you know, as a, as opposed to generosity, uh, but Bill and I has, have already discussed that. I don't want, uh, if you want to check out the conversation, I put the link in there also, and you can check out the conversation that Bill and I had on the virtue signal. I'm just following up with some audience input. Cause like I said, I'm grateful that you guys watch and I want to, you know, just kind of engage all over. I don't even know if, if, if these, if these people who responded to the video will even see this. Uh, but I, it, you know, maybe at some point they will. And I just want folks to know that, you know, I appreciate them watching the show and I just wanted to you know, wrap with them a little bit, those who do watch. And of course, address those who uh, are not pleased with the show. Um, so let's see. We had uh, Al Jarreau. I wonder if that's like, you know, Al Jarreau, you know, uh, the, the singer Al Jarreau. It's, it's probably not. But, uh, you know, that just brought back some some memories, man. Al Jarreau, that was a, that was a smooth singer like back in the day, man. I think he's still at it, too. Uh, so he says uh, capitalism isn't the problem. Crony capitalism. Capitalism, capitalism, <laughs> crony capitalism is, however, a huge problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big business in bed with the government, revolving door open, uh, revolving door between Washington, political appointments and board seats on Wall Street. Lobbyists actually writing laws that give large corporations an advantage by preventing startups from competing. Large corporations so comfortable that, that customer service takes a back seat if it exists at all, 
Same with uh, their treatment of employees. Basically, with the government's help, they don't need to care about anything except making as much money as they can. It's one of the primary reasons we need term lists. Hey, uh, Al Jarreau, I'm on your frequency, man. I, I share this view as well. So thank you. Uh, well said. Um, I, and I wanted to include that in here because, uh, yeah, it's, it, capitalism is, is not the problem. Crony capitalism is. And uh, that's you know, when people get this. This mix up, they get these things, these things mixed up. It gives capitalism a bad name, and it's not the fault of capitalism at all. Uh, this uh, this quasi socialism uh, that we have, just well, actually, it's just coming. That's just what it's coming down to be. They they don't quite own the industry yet, but they got so much regulation and oversight. It's like the state might as well own industry. You know, we might as well just say, okay, we don't we don't own our own stuff anymore. You know, it's just we're all just straight up communal now, and you know, uh, the money that we make belongs to the state, and you know. That's just just where and they can claim whatever percentage that they want or all of it. And you have, um, you know, people who are just so greedy for, for what it is that they do with their business. They're willing to let um, lobbyists come in and um, get laws made, you know, to, so they can keep their seat in office. And you have others who can keep their seat uh, on their industry, you know, while other people, you know, end up having to, to, to pay, um, you know, the, the cost of these things are rolled over onto us. You know, that's, uh, that's what we end up with. It's got to stop, y'all. It's got to stop. Okay, let's see. We got um, Tarla Lark. <laughs> I think I hope I said that right. Tar Tarka Lark. All right. Sorry if I said your name wrong. Uh, Tarka Lark. <laughs> it should be. Instead of me being sorry about saying his name wrong, he ought to be sorry about making this comment that he made. But anyway, <laughs> Tarka Lark says, uh, Jesus was a lot of things, but he was not a capitalist. Okay, okay. Uh, we sound like we have one of them, uh, um, them socialist so-called Christians that was watching, or, or you know, um, I don't even, you don't, you don't even have to be Christian to believe something like that. But, uh, but I, I, my response to that is uh, Jesus recognizes your property as your property, right? You were blessed, he blessed you with it, you have it, yes, but it's like, hey, you know, this is, this is you, right? You don't know me for that, it's like, a, it's a gift. Right. I blessed you with the be able with, with the ability to get out there and be fruitful and multiply. Right. That's that's it's not only is it my my commandment to you, but it's a gift. Right. It's a gift to be able to get, put it, put your put your talents and your and your intellect and your strength to, to work, to be fruitful. Right. So um, being fruitful, that's that's a gift from the Lord. It's yours. Right. So and um, not only that, does the Lord expect you to be fruitful, you know, go for go for yours. Um, he expects you to increase your resources, your resources. The Lord expects you to do that. He expects you to re, uh, increase your resources. Also, he tells you to be a blessing with your own resources, by your own volition, right? Not by redistribution of the state, okay? So this store, and he tells you, these things store up your treasures in heavens, you know, your obedience in, in doing these things and what he tells you. This stores up your treasures in heaven. So everything I just described is a reflection of capitalism. <laughs> so <laughs> to say that Jesus wasn't, I mean, did Jesus in the Bible go and say, yeah, I'm a capitalist, I'm a capitalist, but look at what he did in terms of what you, what was yours, what you were fruitful with and stuff like that. And the state has no claim over it and stuff like that, not institutionalizing a system of covetousness and theft that takes from the earner, right? That, that uh, assumes to uh, have some ownership of their fruits 
the Lord never talked about that. He recognizes what you earned is what you earn and expects you to increase it and expects you to be a blessing with it by your own volition. So that that's that's a capitalistic model. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's see. Uh, somebody says, oh, oh, come on, man. Don't <laughs> don't ruin it for me. Don't ruin it. Somebody said that Jesus would have been a libertarian. Let's talk about that for a second. Let's let's let's, let's chop that up. Jesus would have been a libertarian. Okay. Um, uh, no, I, I, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to disagree. Jesus would not have been a libertarian. Um, basically, even with a libertarian, we're, the, the thing that we're talking about is liberty, right? Once again, you got to define what liberty is. And when you, when, when you have, when you have liberty where you can, and you have a free environment where you can define what liberty is, liberty can mean anything to anybody. Right. And even libertarians will tell you that. Right. It's, 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 it's free to do whatever you want as long as you don't hurt anybody else. Live and let live. Right. But at the same time, liberties, feel, you know, libertarians feel like, well, everything should be legal. That's one of their mottos. Right. Everything should be legal. Um, you know, as long as you don't hurt anybody else. But you got to come down to the agreement. Well, what hurts other people and what doesn't. Right. So, you know, you have a lot of uh, libertarians out there and they, they'll say live and let live and stuff like that. But a lot of them are. They'll say that they're personally against abortion, but they'll say that, but I wouldn't tell somebody else that they can't have an abortion, right? That's not live and let live, not even close, right? Because even though you may personally be against it and you say that somebody else should be able to do it if they want to, somebody has chosen that some party in that is not going to be allowed to live. That's not live and let live at all, not even close. So when you have that possibility in there, there's no room for libertarianism with Jesus, none. Right. Jesus himself is liberty. He is the liberty to, to that is that, that that defines liberty. He's the writer of liberty, period. But if you are of the of, of the classical liberal or libertarian mindset, then you feel like you have the liberty to define liberty on your own terms. And that does not square up with Jesus at all. Right. So basically, you got to be conservative with it when at the end of the day. Right. Even those who call themselves classical liberals. Right. Classical, uh, exactly, exactly, uh, Hodge's wife. When you talk about uh, uh, individual liberty, you know, that's that's what uh, uh, Satan suckered them with, right? Came in and said, hey, you know, your eyes will be open and stuff like that. You got to pursue your own liberty. You don't want to be under this. He lied to you, right? So it's, it's a whole, it's, it's a victim a mentality that he played on. And by doing so, this classical liberalism sets in. They already had liberty. They already had perfect liberty. They already had it. And then they were introduced with another idea of pseudo liberty, right? Wait a minute. You mean we can define liberty on our own terms? Our eyes will be open and we can know these things, you know, because they wanted to know some other stuff. They thought that they would be truly liberated. When they were given full on liberty, they still thought that they were oppressed and wanted to define it on their own terms. That's what classical liberalism does. That's what libertarianism does. I tell you, it's kind of, it goes sideways, right? Right? So at any rate, y'all, um, let's see. That's, you know, that's, and, and when it comes to that, y'all, that's when people get greedy for liberty. They idolize liberty and they can't be, and, they, and it's like they're trying to be satisfied liberty and, and it just doesn't happen. 
right? It doesn't, it doesn't happen. That's, that's why you have to see the Lord, the, the, the writer of liberty himself. That's who you should have your eye on because that's where the true liberty is. But you have a lot of people, their premier is liberty itself. And that's a lot of conservatives too, right? That's what they're hung up on. It's all about liberty. It's all about liberty. And they get greedy for it. And that's why we're losing our country. I'm telling you, conservatives are more locked in on liberty than they are on the Lord. Their idol is liberty, right? That's their idol, not the Lord himself. He is not their object of worship. Liberty is, all right? And it, it, it doesn't lead to a good place, y'all. I'm trying to tell you. Um, okay, uh, let's get to uh, Pablo Sly. Uh, says, I'm really enjoying these episodes with Mr. Rachel. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. It's like, uh, you know, we're, we're trying, we're trying to keep, uh, we'll try to keep it going. I know that, you know, uh, YouTube doesn't like us doing this. You can see our, our view to uh, subscriber ratio is really down. So they're trying to demoralize us y'all. And, uh, let's see, we got Lucy Rodriguez says genuine generosity, uh, uh, generosity, generosity. What? <laughs> I mean, I'd be making up these words. Like I'd be trying to speak in tongues or something like that. I don't do that. Anyway. Lucy Rodriguez says, genuine generosity comes from the heart. Love these conversations. Thank you. Thank you so much. Amen. This is not something that the state can force. That it, Once you make it law, it is no longer generosity. Thank you. You got it. Uh, we got Benjamin, Benjamin Dover. I see what you did there, Benjamin Dover. I, man, hey, you, you, boy, you need to quit. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Says Bill. Your channel is being shadow banned hard. I try to catch all of your vids, but in the last few weeks, I have to go to the subscriber to the subscribe column uh, column and click on your name every time. You never, you are never on the right suggested column. Yeah, I, I I hear you. And thank you for still looking us up anyway. That says a lot because a lot of people don't like. Like for me, most of my audience thought that I just quit and just stopped looking for me. So many people even said, "Damn, I thought you, I thought you were dead." Well, if you thought I was dead, did you at least go to my website to see if I was doing anything? It's like, oh, so must be dead. Uh, you know? And then they see me pop up. Oh, man, you're still alive. I was like, oh, thanks. You know, <laughs> but, you know, um, but yeah, actually, the people actually said, you know, say stuff like that. You know, maybe they're just kidding around or whichever. But, you know, if you haven't seen me in years and you thought I was dead, it's like, you know, maybe just do a little. But at the same time, you know, the search engines have made it difficult to find me. So, you know, people don't discover me in cross references and stuff like that. So, you know. That's the way it is, man. Uh, no, don't get me wrong, y'all. It's not like I'm just laying down and taking it. But you know, people be like, "You should sue. You should sue." There's no, there's no lawsuit. If there was a, if if, if I could sue these people, if if a, 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 these people could be sued for this, don't you think that I would have lawyers beating down my door, right? Greedy. <laughs> since we talked about greed, greedy lawyers who say, "Hey, man, there's some money to be made from this." Let me see. They got harassment, uh, discrimination. Uh, you know, it's uh, uh these these things that they're doing. You know, to uh, um impede upon my livelihood and stuff like that. If lawyers actually saw that they can make some coin off of this instead of making coin off of it, see, they know they ain't gonna make no money off of me. <laughs> it's like, my livelihood's been destroyed, right? They just like, I'm not, I don't hardly make any money off of this. So the lawyers, they, they know they're not gonna make any money off of me, you know, but they also don't see that they're not gonna make any sort of restitution money or anything like that off of YouTube, Google, Facebook. They don't see any money in that. That's why they're not knocking on my door, right? So um, there's not enough to satisfy their greed, <laughs> if you will. Uh, but you know, uh, but yes, it's a it's a crappy thing that they do with the shadow ban. And y'all personally, I would rather I would rather make a competing um, 
platform, you know, a search engine or something like, uh, you know, to that effect. Rather, if I had the time and if I had the money and the resources to afford a lawsuit, I, I would put that into into, you know, making more compelling productions is what I would do. That's what that's the ultimate thing, because that's where the competition is needed. All right. The competition isn't necessarily needed in litigation. y'all. It's needed in some in some uh, creative industry of of media, social media, news media, entertainment media. It, that's something that's that's terribly lacking. It's been lacking. I've been saying it for, for years. Right. Um, now, now the more conservatives are feeling it. Now they're getting the pinch. Like, hey, maybe we should do something about this. It's like, yeah, I told you you need to do something about this. Right. But at any rate, uh, let's see. Milk toast. My, oh, sorry. Micro toast. That sounds interesting. Right. Micro toast says uh, best one yet. It would be great if you could bring in some classical views on virtue, like Aristotle's ideas about moderation. Also, if you're going to talk about virtue and, and government, you absolutely must read Montesquieu's parable of the troglodytes. It's short. All about how things go bad when we when men make government responsible for enforcing virtue rather than individuals embodying virtue on their own volition. All right. I, I, I dig. I, I can dig it. Thank you. Thank you for and thank you for digging the show. Uh, but let me let me say this, man. The real must read <laughs> on virtues. And uh, the must-reads uh, th that you're talking about, uh, the, the real classical that brings it all home is the Bible. <laughs> because when people assume that virtue can be determined on their own or learned by another fallible human being, you will surely end up with troglodytes. All right? The first and final word on virtue is the Lord himself. You know, I'm, I'm not trying I'm not saying to not read Aristotle's Aristotle's book and stuff like that or not to read Montesquieu or anything like that. I mean, at, at best, um, you can get some entertainment. Right. You can get some thought, you know, some provoking thought out of it and stuff like that. Um, but. To put to suggest that before the Bible, I if you're going to suggest it, suggest it after it's like read the Bible, of course. So you have something to square these square these things by. I mean, don't get me wrong. Read whatever you want, please. But I highly suggest you read the Bible so you have a foundation. Anything else that you read without a foundation is going to go lopsided. I'm telling you, you got to have a fixed and set foundation and you want to get the word of God in you. The Lord says, I build in you. Right. You want to have that cornerstone to build on before you read anything else. Trust me. OK, that's when th that's when everything else can, can be built level. Right. You try to read this on your own understanding and think that you could process this. I'm telling you, look, y'all, people be reading this stuff. Why do you think things are going sideways the way they are? Because people put their trust in the classical writings of fallible men, you know, thinking that they've really learned something. And it's fine. It's, yeah, these people were they, were they were brilliant. Sure. But even with that, when you're going to build on your knowledge, you have to build your knowledge on something solid. The Lord expects it. He tells us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. He expects you to put your mind into it. But when you start filling your mind, you got to make sure that your brain is on a solid foundation to build this knowledge on, right? So at any rate, those are your real, the, the Bible, the word of God, that's your real classic. That's your real classic to start with, if I may, if I may suggest. Let's take a look at uh, Arkovsky. Uh, Arkovsky, and this uh, this is actually a, a user on Rumble, and you guys can find the virtual signal on uh, on Rumble also. Okay, 
Um, Arkowski says, I think you're a little off track on this one. A lot involved. But take those minorities, he says minority in quotes, uh, who signed up for BLM on the idea that it would help assign economic justice. Those people signed up for a version of economics being touted by the left that would favor them through disfavoring others. So motivation, greed, being greed, and the elitist left use those who would sign on as favor, riot, make trouble, scream victim, as a way to ensure their conditioned excessive wealth through displacement of the massive fed up populace. So motivation, greed. Okay. Um, so I see what he's saying, but the, 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 sad, the sad thing is, is that we said that already. And so he's, I mean, he's telling us that we, we're off track and that we missed it. Uh, and he says that there's a lot involved. And, and, and when you consider our body of work, we've been discussing this for years and we've, we've said these things. And um, so I, I'm not sure where, you know, maybe he's, maybe he's new. <laughs> he's just not familiar with our work and just tuned in and doesn't know that we've talked about this. Uh, I've said for years that the idea of fairness uh, for Democrats is achieved by being unfair to others, right? And it's rooted in pride and insecurity, which are two sides of the same coin. And both make people assume that they are entitled to things. And that's where that that covetousness sets in. And then the gluttony, the greed, and the theft. Y'all, we've been saying that, all right? And these people will lean on uh, different factors to justify it, from racial injustice, sexual discrimination, uh, the haves and the have-nots. We know the buttons the overlords of collectivism will push to make these minorities, as Arkovsky puts it, their drones. Yeah, we've, we've long said that, man. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm glad that you see it, too. I'm just I'm, I'm sorry that you didn't see us saying it and that you think that we've never said it or we missed a point or something like that. I uh, just want to kind of set the record straight. Um, we understand that with Democrats, you have to create victims. You know, that's collectivist, you know, period, you know, with these kind of models. Um, you know, whether it's socialism, communism, you know, this this fascist idea and stuff like that. This stuff ain't new with the Democrat Party. This, uh, you know, uh, people being forced uh, to pay for what somebody else feels entitled to, whether by slavery, socialism or communism. This stuff ain't new with the Democrat Party. They've been up to this for a long time, long time. Right. Even with socialism, you know, uh, socialist ideas that was back like in the early 20th century. You know, you had cats, I think his name was Thomas or something like that, said, man, if I want socialism, I don't need to vote in for socialism. I just vote Democrat. He was saying this was way back. Right. This has been coming. Um, so with Democrats, you have to create victims. You have to victimize people. Right. This is how they work. You create victims and then you accuse someone else of being the victimizer. Right. That way, people trust the accuser by default. From there, the accuser can do whatever they want to the victim because the victim is, is focused on the accused while the accuser has their way with the victim. And Democrats are indeed very greedy, relentless parasites, right? And that's, that's they're, they're masters at this, y'all. They've been doing it for decades. So... Um, Captain Spires, as I've been saying this for, for uh, 10 years, yeah. I've been saying it for a minute, Woo, 10 years, man. Um, you know, we, we you know, it's and 
you just re you, you remember one, like I said, it's the word of God. And you have people, you know, who've talked about these things. You have Booker T. Washington who talk about the people who make an industry. They make, that's their livelihood is to victimize people. Right. You know, it's, and like I said, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, the Bible talks about these things, but you're going to have people in generations who are going to put it in a way, you know, that their contemporaries can understand. It's still all rooted in the word of God. You know, but like you said, like I said, Booker T. Washington, he talked about these things like, yeah, man, you gonna have a, 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 a market of people who are going to uh, who are going to play on the plight of others. They got to play up their, their plight. It's like the doctor who's 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 not looking to cure the patient. You know, that's that's a, a factor of what we got now. <coughs> Excuse me. So at any rate, um, oh, uh, somebody said, uh, oh, Captain, yeah, Captain Spire uh, mentioned um, uh, <laughs> Brandon Tatum does not believe Christ is God. Um, this is not a, yeah, yeah, I've, uh, I've been, man, I've been meaning to get to that. I'm going to, um, I've been thinking about how I want to address that. Do I just want to do it in a forum like this or do I want to do it in a Zoloft video? Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, uh, with Brandon Tatum. Yeah. I, I reckon that is pretty disappointing. Um, and it's, and it's, he's not just him. There's, you got other, you know, uh, there, there's Jesse Lee Peterson. Um, uh, there's, uh, there's, there's some others. They, they don't believe it's one thing. You know, if you don't believe that Jesus is God, if you're not a Christian, you know, it's of course you got people. There's people who are agnostic. There's people, you know, who um, they don't write God off or anything like that. And they see the the, the virtues of Christianity and stuff like that and, and whatnot. Uh, but they haven't taken the leap to be Christians themselves. And uh, they don't um, there. And therefore, they don't acknowledge Jesus as God. I get that. I've been there myself, you know, uh, but. And, and there's like uh, some grace that you show for that. And you just want to kind of, you know, as as peaceably as you can have the conversation with them to, to make the case for Christ uh, being God. And um, but then when you have those who call themselves Christians, it makes no sense. It's illogical. It is illogical to call yourself a Christian. And. And not recognize him as God. You want to talk about greed. So let me get this straight. You want the benefits. You want the salvation that Christ talks about. You want these treasures stored up in heaven. You want to be an inheritor of the kingdom. But you don't want to actually do the labor of faith. <laughs> to say that, yes, Jesus is exactly who he says he is. But these people at the same time will go through all these leaps, these gymnastics, and contortions to try to twist what the Lord has said and what his disciples have said and what the prophets have said about him concerning him being God to try to say that that doesn't mean what it means. They'll do, they'll go through all these exercises rather than just getting their ego. It's like in one way or other, I guess it's going to be complicated. They'll, they'll do all this footwork, you know, and mouth work or whichever kind of work to try to disprove Jesus being God rather than doing the work of putting their ego aside, which you need to call on the strength of the Lord to, to do anyway, to push their ego aside and say, yes, I see what it is that you have said. I see what your disciples have said. I see what the prophets have said. The word of God says plainly that Jesus is God, right? So unfortunately, you know, um, as I have long seen with, with Brandon Tatum, uh, that he's just full of pride. He's more full of himself. He's definitely full of, more full of himself than he is with the Holy Spirit. So, um, you know, I hope that he receives the Lord's peace and truth. And uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that. You know, um, like I said, we'll 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 make the case for it. I've been meaning to get to it. Um, you know, it's just 
I'm sorry, but you know, he hasn't been a priority. And no, I'm like, <laughs> hey, I don't want him to find out the hard, the hard, hot way, man, that that he's wrong about this. You know, uh, uh, anybody. You know, it's one of the reasons why we do these. You know, we we do this stuff is because we don't want anybody, right, to learn the hard, hot way that, you know, hey, Jesus wasn't lying. Okay, and he didn't lie about nothing. And if 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 you're saying that Jesus isn't God, you're calling him a liar. Uh, there's no point in being a Christian. I don't understand. I don't understand how somebody assumes to call themselves a Christian and not believe that Jesus is God. It's illogical, right? Why not just call yourself a, 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 a well, I guess you call yourself a Jehovah's Witness or you call you a, a Jehovahan or, or a Yahwehan or a, a, just call yourself that. There's no point in calling yourself a Christian that you're a follower of a Messiah. What's the even point of him being a Messiah, right? It's, it's it, it, the, the only one qualified to be the chosen one, the Messiah, the, 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 the Christos. Right. The one who can make atonement for us is there's there's no perfect human being who can actually do that. Right. Except for Jesus himself. The thing is that Jesus also professed to be God because he's the only one who can uphold that. So the thing is, y'all, if, if you don't believe that about Jesus, there's no point in calling yourself a Christian. You, it's like you want the, the what the benefit of, 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 of Christianity without actually believing it. That, that's that's totally greedy, right? Speaking of greed, if that's what we're talking about, um, that that makes no sense. So at any rate, y'all, yeah, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll get around to talking about that. Um, so in, in the meantime, I thank you guys so much for for tuning in, and I don't want to ramble on too much, man. It's like I'm, I'm glad to see you guys here. You know, I want to rap with you. You know, it's, uh, uh, but uh, you know, but you guys do. Uh, you know, I, I I'm blessed for the uh, support that I get from y'all. Um, you know, I. It'd be great if, if um, my reach was broader and wasn't marginalized the way that it is. But y'all are here, and I'm very grateful for y'all. Um, yeah, <laughs> Calvin, exactly right. That's one of the problems that we're having in the church is that, uh, you know, like Calvin says, not not teaching, you know, sound doctrine by counsel of the Holy Spirit, but by what feels good and what people think that they want and all the ear tickling that people want to hear. That's a big problem. Instead of it's y'all get down to teaching who Jesus says he is. That's the that's dang it. That's what this book is about. This book is straight up from cover to cover. It's about Jesus. That's what the book is about. It is to know the person who is qualified to judge us, the one qualified to make atone for us. It's about knowing him right god is a just god he's not gonna just show up and judge us because we'll be like who are you to judge us you're not one of us you don't know us god covers all the angles every angle because god knows our human inclinations he knows that we'll try to pull some stuff like that god covered that base and said oh excuse me i'm not one of you i don't know you i came as one of you and i died as one of you i know everything about you Right. I am absolutely qualified to make this judgment. Meaning Jesus is God. He knows. Right. We can't use the excuse that he's not qualified to judge us because he's not one of us or he's just all high and mighty. We're these lowly beings that he just comes to just step on uh, uh, at his pleasure. No, he was born to us. Broke. Right. Born among wild animals and stuff like that. Died on a cross, bloody and naked. Right. So he, he died under uh, uh, under the um, as death as his master. The word of God says that death had mastery over him. 
right? He washed the feet of his disciples, humble human being, right? So yeah, God knows and God is absolutely qualified. There's nothing that we could tell about God that doesn't qualify him to be our ultimate judge because he is absolutely the creator of us and came as one of us in the person of Jesus Christ to be the fulfillment and fully qualified to pull that judgment trigger, right? To bring that gavel. You know what I'm saying? All right, y'all. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> you guys don't get me going, man. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to be creative in here and try to get stuff to, uh, together for you guys. Oh, I got these, man, these, itch, these instruments and stuff like that, it should be played, man. You know, I, I'm, tr I'm trying to make some rock and roll and uh, I want that support, man, so we can get out there and rock the gospel. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you guys so much for uh, tuning in to uh, my signal responses. And um, if you want to support, I'm at bronzeserpentmedia.com and hope that you guys, uh, you know, help us keep these going in, in even more uh, compelling and creative ways, you know, to get the, the reason out there by vehicles of imagination. All right, y'all. Blessings. <laughs>